Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Where do we find the value in coaching? Is it in the workouts themselves, the methodologies, these, these technical things that we think are unique to each individual person? Or is it the ability for the coach to connect and help someone improve going from point A to B while building out the attributes necessary for that person to succeed? That seems like a loaded question and it would obviously mean that the answer is the latter. But if you said the workouts, then the coaching and training industry is probably in trouble. We're going to get into that later. Today on the show, we have return guest Logan Gelbrich, founder of Deuce Gym and all of the tributaries of development that flow out of that Venice outdoor gym. We caught up to hear about the work that Logan's been doing with his new nonprofit, Deuce Community, and the work that they're doing in the area to help prisoners and former incarcerated individuals get back on their feet through community events and through health and fitness. We also explored the updates in the world of AI as it relates to our industry, health and fitness. Logan had some really great insight on the value of a coach and how there is probably a way to become AI replacement proof. But as we expected, we spent a lot of time talking training and how the strongman methodologies and implements are total game changers for progress in the majority of people. This was a super loaded conversation. It was great to have Logan back on the show. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. If you want more Nomad Strength in your life, be sure to go check out the Substack and consider becoming a paid subscriber where there's going to be extra articles. There's going to be the bonus solo show we do a couple times a month called Unplugged. This is where I'm going to dive into fringe practices, ancient practices of health and fitness, and we're going to dive in and see what works, what doesn't, and what can we take away and apply to our lives today. So go to the Substack, and then I'm going to put all of these links from the show with Logan, plus the Substack, all that's going to be in the show notes. Enjoy the conversation I had with Logan Gelbrick on the Nomad Strength Show. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Nomad Strength Show. I'm joined today by repeat guest, second time on the pod, Logan Gelbrick from Deuce Gym. 
How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me back on. Repeat guest sounds very uh, fancy. I like it. It does. There's there's only been a handful so far that have come back, not because they didn't want to, but just because Fair. that's how it is. And there's others, you know, we could have gone probably three, three plus hours the first time. Uh, yeah. So I could have, you know, there's a bunch of stuff we could have gotten into, but I was just like, let's just do it in part two eventually. And we'll use that as in a whole other episode. So yeah. it's been, it's been a minute, man, but I've been following along and seeing that the, you know, we talked just for a couple minutes before the million things that you seem to be doing all the time that keep you pretty busy. So first I'm kind of just curious what's been different or changing or new in the last year plus since, since we wrapped. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's funny. I, I don't really understand time very well, so <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time we spoke and what necessarily um, was occurring. I think it was around February, February or something like that. February, March. It's been just a little over a year. Okay. Yeah. So probably in that time, as it pertains to the gym, things that have uh, shown up are, you know, we got our 501c3 status for our nonprofit organization. So separate organization that, um, you know, is like one degree of separation from the for-profit gym. Basically what Mm -hmm. we've done is we've taken our infrastructure on development. So coaches development, leadership development, um, entrepreneurship development, and use those frameworks and the context of the gym to address people who are system substance and housing impacted. Basically Mm. folks that are getting off the street, mostly out of prison. We work with people who are currently and formerly incarcerated. A lot of those folks are seeking sobriety and and you know don't have a place to stay uh so that's been a massive new project that's been really rewarding and and successful and and fun um you know but i think the theme with that is it's just all of this is just layers on top of itself you know um i think we're culturally just trying to do the next richest developmental thing and so that kind of emerged um trying to figure out how much of this uh, i want to share publicly early but but uh you know i've been working for a long time on a a real estate project that would really impact that would really impact the gym and um we're closer than ever and that's just been I i have to laugh because i prefer to not start crying but uh you know it's like uh yeah when you sign up for whatever it is that we've signed up for it it just stays challenging yeah this has been a new learning thing as well those are probably the two biggest things in my world right now that's killer as far as the the nonprofit goes what spurred that on as a as an avenue, not necessarily nonprofit, but what you guys are doing with that nonprofit. Why was that the the mission that you wanted to take on for your guys' area? Totally. So um, all accidental, you know, I think a lot mm-hmm. of the best stuff that life presents uh, are things that are kind of unknown and unknowable. You can't really plan for them. Um, but I find that if you just really dial in on that overused word, the P word process, that mm. 
things will either emerge or when they emerge, you're in a good spot to execute on them. And the longer story made shorter, one of our coaches, just a a real badass uh, in a position of leadership is a a guy by the name of Campbell Lillard. And um, I'm going to get my years wrong, but, you know, he did Mm -hmm. 10 years on a 10 year sentence in Texas. Uh, You know, he comes from a past of, uh, you know, running the streets, um, a heroin addiction, um, and, and just served some really gnarly prison time, very active prison time is maybe the Mm. most PC way to say that. Sure. And, um, when he got out, um, I'm I'm not doing his story justice. It it, it would be, you should probably have him on it and him tell it. Uh, I'm just, I get goosebumps every time, but long story short, it's like his, uh, internal paradigm shift around change behavior happened when he gets locked up and he's like 130 pounds soaking wet and uh it's just a dangerous environment and so he realized that he was safer when he did more push-ups and Mm. hit the bags more often and he could really change himself and that was very physical at at the start and then he tells this great story about sitting around uh, in a rec room more or less with some of the gnarliest dudes in the state of texas really and he's looking around and i'll use different language but he's looking across the room and he's like that guy uh you know (laughs) that guy is uh not a great dude you know and then he'd look across the room (laughs) and he would say you know that that, that's a bad dude too and then the guy next to me like this guy's a bad dude and the guy sitting across from me disgusts me as well and then he sort of realizes like oh wait i'm also one of these guys (laughs) and uh and he decided that he didn't like that about himself and that he might be able Mm. to change and so you know when you're locked up it it so i have since learned it seems like if and when you get out there's just two bad options one is you just run the streets again and you'll probably get locked up and come back uh or Mm. you just take a job that has this ceiling you know maybe one day you'll get a forklift certification or you'll you'll dig ditches somewhere working on the side of the road and you're just mm-hmm. supposed to put your head down and just endure that for the rest of your life and so the only thing that camel really loved and appreciated and read about and and learned about was strength and conditioning so when he got mm-hmm. out the way he tells it is he reached out to about five coaches that he admired in the country and i was fortunate enough to be one of them and only two of us wrote him back and I gave him a bunch of homework and he did all that. And fortunate for us, we have like a pipeline of development. So there was a place to send yeah. him. There were tasks to, to give him. Not that our, not that we're geniuses and know something that other people don't, but we just had infrastructure is what I'm saying. And so he sure. did all of those things, including he saved up all his money and spent, you know, 1200 bucks to go to a seminar I teach called the Hold the Standard Summit. Uh, in it was in Scottsdale the one he went to and he sat in the front row and I've taught that course all around the world and I've never been nervous about the audience and I was very nervous to teach to him Mm. because I knew the context of what brought him there right how important uh, it was to him in that moment too 100% and yeah I'm sorry the story's so long but it's sort of worth telling is he then goes home unbeknownst to me I didn't learn this till you know a couple years ago Mm -hmm. He writes on his bathroom mirror, you know, what are you doing to get to L.A. today? 
and he's just hustling, man, hustling. He was working at the time for a nonprofit called The Phoenix, who's a partner of our nonprofit now. And he heard a rumor that they were going to open an, uh, an L.A. chapter. And so he was like, well, I just have to crush this so yeah. well that when that comes up, I have to be the person that they hire. And then just before this job comes up, he gets his whole forearm tattooed with the Deuce logo. He's still never been to the fucking gym, you know, <laughs> and um, just kind of goes all in. And the story, you know, the rest is history. He gets the job, yeah. moves out to L.A., enrolls his, in, in our uh, in-person coaches development program. And he's now, um, you know, basically our number one employee. Um, and so together he and I founded this nonprofit, um, not from a contrived place, but just from the reality of, oh, the things that are true in a for-profit context for any audience are also true for these folks. And we can make specific mm. inroads uh, with that demographic. So all that to say is, mm -hmm. um, we're sort of using the gym as an excuse to have this leadership conversation. And that's now extended in a not-for-profit way as well as a for-profit way. What kind of things are you doing with that population? Like the actual day-to-day yeah. -day things that you're doing, what does that process look like? So on the, the most simple surface level, there are several ways that you can dip your toe in the water. So we do these neighborhood cleanups. We started this tongue in cheek thing around the gym saying that we, the gym is uh, on the cleanest street in Venice beach, which is very funny because that's not that hard to do. Um, <laughs> it's hard to win that title. Um, and so that has spread around you know, the country and, and internationally, even with these like cleanups. So there's these cleanups that you can attend. Um, and if mm. you're trying to get be sober or you're just gotten out of prison, like you can just come by and spend 30 minutes meeting some people and doing something positive. Uh, we also use training. So we teach uh, strength and conditioning at long story made shorter, like these programs that are almost like halfway houses while folks are still incarcerated. There are these right, programs yep. around where you can serve the, the end of a longer term sentence in these facilities. And so guys come over with an ankle monitor and they're able to join us for training that happens every Saturday, for example. And then three nights a week, you can train at the gym for free if you have 48 hours of sobriety with our partners at the Phoenix. So like there are these oh, right places on. where we can meet you in a very like simple, straightforward way. And then the way that we get into the nitty gritty is the same way that we get into the nitty gritty with the people that I hire in the for-profit context, which is by sharing leadership. You know, mm. we really believe that leadership is a teachable skill and we really believe that um, leadership is something that can be embodied by anybody. And so the way you get more money and more responsibility and cooler job things is you mm -hmm. crush your responsibilities and mm -hmm. demonstrate and build trust in the system around you that you can be the person to hold more responsibility. So we basically give people tasks and they show yeah. us how bad that they want to do more. And so that all um, sort of culminates, I should say, 
with the the tip of the spear offering is a paid monthly stipend where basically guides oh, are right paid on. to develop themselves. We create a contract. They're enrolled in one or more of our programs, and um, they're 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 paid like a, a small salary to do that. We've recently secured housing, so we have a house in Mar Vista, California. It's like two hours away, or sorry, two hours, two miles away from the gym, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, right now we can house I think up to six guys there, um, and so that's oh, awesome. our our key thing. We're trying to make real big impact. Yeah. Um, it's cool how it's spread in all of these different, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of this, you know, cause I think I saw a post of your guys is you're like on year like 11 or 12 of the gym, right? Yeah. We just celebrated our 12th birthday. So 12, I yes. I mean, we're, we're 12 years and a couple months old or a couple weeks old, whatever that is. Yeah. So like when you're starting this 12 years ago, I mean, I can't imagine that that th- these big picture things outside of just, I'm going to train people every day. Were even like in your mind at the time or were they like, were you always kind of viewing the gym as like this vehicle to do other things that weren't always necessarily training related? Yeah. So the truest way to answer that is of course, no, there was never a whiteboard that said, you know, 10 years from now we roll out phase three, which is the nonprofit phase. And it's going to be with incarcerated folks. There's (laughs) details that are so unknowable about that. Um, however, the base level entry point was a transcendent view of training, which is like big words, but it's sort of like, yes, we're here to train. And that is sort of the topical surface level of what this is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that is esoteric and trying to be like, you know, bending towards philosophy of life rather than show muscles. Um, But quite frankly, a lot of it has um, tactical use. And, And I'll explain what I mean by that is it's always occurred to me in a very dramatic, straightforward way that fitness is not that valuable. And I'm nervous to finish that sentence like that. Fitness is not inherently at base levels, not that expensive. And, mm. and there's not that much value there on the surface, right? Yeah. Reps and sets are, are basically free. There are no more secrets. Um, we, just say flat out, even to our students, fitness is free. So then that begs the question, then what is this? So it just sort of put us to work that this has to be more than, you know, and and I I think some of that came from this starting in a park, right? Which is like, you know, we we hit this big milestone recently um, with our 3000th blog. Like I've written a blog mostly every day for, 12 years or whatever. I was actually going to ask you about that too. And like people say, well, what's that about? I'm like, well, I think it's mostly we needed something interesting to put next to the workout because that's not that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) on the website. But quite frankly, it's like when you have no other value to bring, we don't even have an address. You're just in a park. You have to create something where there is nothing. And so if someone... If we were trying to shake people by the cheeks and say, this is a gym, I swear to God, it's a gym. (laughs) They'd be like, no, it's not. Like, this is a park. Literally, anybody can come here. We would say, no, this is a training facility. They would be like, I don't get it. And then we could say stupid stuff like, well, we have a website (laughs) and everything, you know, (laughs) there's stuff on there. (laughs) 
you know? And, <laughs> and so, so as, yeah, that's the, I was just going to, yeah, go yeah. I was just going to say, as far as the blog, cause that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about as it relates to consistency, right? Cause like you said, 3000 basically daily for the, you know, how for 12 plus years or however long it's been yeah. from that standpoint, as an, as an exercise in discipline and consistency, that is one thing, but I'm curious too, as an outlet, as like writing being an outlet, what do you notice in how you've changed throughout that time versus like, have you ever gone back and read like some of those early yeah. blogs from like 12, 11, 12 years ago? And you'd be like, wow, I, that was like a different dude back then. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, there's so much there. there there's like, the differences in my voice and things like that are interesting. The, and this is going to sound like a bit like a cop-out answer. And mm -hmm. a lot of what's been written, I really appreciate uh, still. Yeah. And I feel, I mean, quite frankly, like today, I'm going to have to write something. Uh, and <laughs> right. what I generally feel is that I've written about everything t two and a half times already. So, so mm -hmm. I do appreciate the older days because that was like I was just like bleeding this stuff like it was coming mm -hmm. out coming out coming out and and just before we hopped on this podcast um I'm very naturally reserved and and quiet so I do mm -hmm. love to try to articulate verbally on on podcasts and it's just like hard for me so I was just like you know what I bet I'm going to take a lap so I like walked around the block to like get my <laughs> mind right I'm just being honest with you and uh mm -hmm. For whatever reason, the blog, I thought about exactly what we're talking about right now. And um, I was just thinking about more of what you said to, to, to lead off your question, which was for the sake of, I don't know, what was the word you used? For the sake of consistency, I think you said. Mm. Consistency. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I, I realized that I'm living in my own bias. You know, like I've lived my own life and it's different than yours and everybody else's and, and mine's definitely not right or better than anyone's. But I was thinking about the level of consistency required to do this job well. And I was just so grateful that I learned that lesson somewhere else. Meaning mm. for me, it was yeah. baseball, you know, like yeah. I, I would that I just had that thought on the walk. I was like, Oh my, like, thank God I am a, a psychopath about <laughs> mundane daily forever blue collar, simple ass tasks that somehow add up to something bigger than the parts in baseball. Because in that context, it really made sense. I mean, there are yeah. millions of kids that would cut off their left arm to play major league baseball. So you just learn things in a very apparent way. Whereas now I think that our industry is suffering from, there's not a lot of great info about the reality of this job. Hmm. Okay. And today there's more info than ever about this job. Yeah, for like sure. I see your life like on a daily, weekly basis on social media. And I don't see any of the parts that make this show possible. <laughs> right. You know what I'm yeah, so I do. Like, totally. We, we've never been more fucking off the mark in terms of perception of what this job is. And it's yeah. so abrasive. I mean, not to 
speak negativity into the thing, but like people think this job is one thing and it's specifically not that. And, um, being able to sit your ass in front of a computer and do something boring every day for 3000 days in a row is more of this job than hitting lifts. And I don't prefer it that way. It's just what I find Mm -hmm. to be true. And there's not a lot of ways to internalize that unless we talk about it, which we're doing right now, which I think is helpful. But, um, <laughs> how we consume our, our information and what looks and sounds cool just isn't the job. I think that was one of the, as, as I started coaching, I was maybe like two or maybe three years in. And I think this is, this will be year 10 coaching for me this this fall and so like at that two or three year mark was probably when i was beginning to realize a little bit of that where i was like okay if i'm gonna make this a thing and this is going to be the work that i do the stuff that people would follow me for or like they're coming to the page they're coming to the podcast they're coming to see me in person and train those types of things are like the 10% of what the job actually, if that even it feels like some days and all those little like small mundane things like you mentioned, make up the vast majority of it, but it's all of those percentages of things that make that eight to 10% as good as it can be. And I mean, that's, that's going to be the case. I would imagine anything if if we're talking about baseball, like I can't imagine Cause you were, I think you were a catcher, right? Yeah. Like how many, I, I can't even imagine the number in tens of thousands of pitches that you caught in your life, hundreds of thousands or, you know what I mean? Like Who just knows? being in that, did, being yeah. in that position. Totally. And so like, but when and you even, go, or we like just throws to second base, like how many times you had to make totally, that throw in practice, totally. you know what I mean? Even, like just to that point, just, sorry to interrupt, but the, to that yeah. point, I look at that as like, you know, catching pitches is so far down the line of the spectrum of skill acquisition. Yeah. Where like it's like, your title. You should be where someone who's listening would be like, Oh my God, like catching pitches, like how boring I'm talking about a person with a driver's license who <laughs> is old enough to drink. You're in your twenties. You've been doing this thing for more than 10, 15 years, nearly whatever, uh, 15 years, placing three baseballs on the floor. So one inside, one middle, one outside, and then dry drilling, blocking mechanics <laughs> to stationary. Like this is kindergarten. Yeah. But there are people that are getting paid $20 million a year that are hitting off a tee ball. Like, you, you know, a lot of people yes. maybe are listening have like little kids now. Hitting off the tee, $30 million mm-hmm. a year. You know, and so there is no world of excellence where people who are excellent have a demeaning view of basic rudimentary work. And right. I find an inverse relationship there. Young, ignorant, egotistical people who have no perspective often are the most passionate about their boundaries and willingness or lack thereof to do basic shit. 
and there's it's, it's kind of funny yeah. right it's like oh yeah okay. it is so you, you this is off limits for you you know uh, i was just thinking <laughs> of, i'm trying to not be so specific so for people it feels like i'm talking shit but this is a true life <laughs> example i was involved let's just say in an acquisition of a gym whether directly or indirectly so that'll, okay. that'll make it a little bit more <laughs> mysterious where a coach at this facility thought that he was like buddying up with the new ownership saying mm. like, yeah the last guy had us like we had to like vacuum and stuff and like you know i mean like work we <laughs> coaches we got to get down to the thing and meanwhile the irony is this guy's been doing it a long time and then he's gonna mm. he leaves that conversation and gets in his car which he has to get in through the passenger side because the door handle on the driver's side doesn't work and he doesn't see any correlation between um, you see what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Make a judgment about like finances or like how nice your car is or whatever. But like, I saw a very clear thing there. I'm like, okay, you're hardcore, yeah. unwilling <laughs> to do the job. And what do we yeah. have to show for it? Got it. You know, that's the. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. Is it Brian McKenzie that said everything is everything? Totally. Like that's totally. <laughs> that's what that is. Totally. It takes what it takes. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's too funny. Um, I did want to ask, and this is I'm gonna take like a a hard turn here and kind of just totally change because this is one of the things that I was curious on your input in because it's been such a conversation in so many other places recently, and we're talking because I'm I'm curious how this is going to affect our industry and fitness, right? This whole, and maybe you don't even have thoughts. Maybe you do this whole AI thing mm -hmm. in, in fitness and in strength and conditioning in general. I mean, it's the, the last handful of months have just been insane. The way yeah. that a lot of this stuff is going and the way that people are already utilizing it in yeah. training, right? I mean, like you could literally go in and have the thing crank out a full 12 week training program for you and do it in less than 30 seconds, mm -hmm. you know, type in prompts and do all these things. And so from your perspective where so much of what you guys do is this actual connection and the, the beings being together and growing and developing together, whether it's your staff and whether it's your, whether it's your clients, like, do you see this as something, Hey, we're going to look at this and see how we can adapt to this. Or is that kind of, antithetical to what you guys do in the gym or in your in your structure yeah i mean i want to be careful to not like anchor myself into a soundbite that's going to sound hilarious 30 years from now uh, where, <laughs> right or it just doesn't matter um surely uh ai is going to impact every industry in ways yeah. that are mostly unforeseen um however i think as far as my own conscious awareness goes today, uh, which I don't mm -hmm. know a ton, but as far as it goes today, I see at least in the near term, a increase, let's say an increase in the, like you need to be clear about your value proposition in mm. the world. Okay. So if you look back just on, let's use the arc of CrossFit, for example, CrossFit and as it should have catches like wildfire because it's effective and gets people moving uh, and gets results and the methodology is very sound for a broad general inclusive outcome uh, 
And a lot of people missed the plot, which was mm. CrossFit's incredible. True, yes, and I'm going to open a facility. Great. Okay, what does it cost to come here? $150. Why? I don't know. Just because every other gym. That's what everybody else does. Website says. <laughs> and then the miss understanding that the value was writing 2159 on a whiteboard mm. right and and that inherently is not valuable and so if you are selling a method or you know so many people are so far down the rabbit hole of saluting these gurus and methods that they're not even real people anymore with opinions right and yeah. so um, if the value of your training is some sort of proprietary method, I think you're going to get exposed even more than you should be getting exposed right now. Right. Yeah. And so the, the value as I see it will remain that the coach is the intermediary between the training proposed training stimulus and the student or athlete in front of you. And how well you can traverse skill acquisition, um, you know, tangible real world coaching, um, execution of methodology, like that's still going to be valuable. Uh, and if you're misconstruing that now, I think that you're only going to pay more of a price later. Yeah. See what I mean? I do. And that was a lot of the same initial thoughts that I had seen. Cause I've, I've, like I said, I've seen, uh, several coaches that I, you know, have pretty large companies to a degree already beginning to like find ways to how, how can we implement this or whatever. But then I see people that are like, Oh, this is going to be the end of the training industry. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, this thing cranked out a nutrition protocol and a training program for me. Like, why do I need, and I'm, and, and in my head, I'm thinking, well, that's no different than the 4 million free workouts that are on the internet anyways. Like those are already, if you wanted just a training program, you don't have to pay for one right already. You could go on and just search whatever. And there's however many millions of free ones available, but the difference is going to be like, like you had said, and what we're talking about that, the effectiveness of an actual coach to take someone from point A to point B or point D down the road, even farther. Like, I think that is actually going to maybe probably even increase in value as the other stuff maybe starts to seem a little diluted. Totally. The mistake here is, and I'm giving the spoiler alert on basically the whole premise of the hold the standard summit, uh, which is, (laughs) um, misconstruing our challenges as all technical in nature. Mm. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. the premise that, that I'm viewing as faulty logic with this like AI issue is, oh, the problem is our, we don't have good enough workouts or, or all the good workouts are too expensive. They're behind some sort of paywall or something. It's just they're not. Yeah, it's not the case. Uh, and even if it were the case uh, now, let's just say AI comes along and everybody can optimize their training and their nutrition, right? You can Mm -hmm. spit out optimized to your left-handed and it's optimized to where your birthmarks are and (laughs) how how much sleep you had last night and your favorite color and all that. Um, The margin for error 
and why we all don't have the results that we want is largely this issue of adaptive challenges, meaning that you and your perception would need to become a new, more improved, further along person. And that's the, the adaptive element of this thing. And so, uh, believe me, there are millions of Americans that know how to eat better that don't. Right. Right. Like, and quite frankly, I know a couple things about training and I still can't squat 600. (laughs) You know, exactly. What's the deal there? It's like, Oh, I the information isn't the issue. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. And there's actually some interesting rebuttals being made to the artificial intelligence thing, which is, you know, if AI is going to aggregate the quote unquote best of the information in the world, then will there be this, this race to the, to the mean, right? Like race to the, mm. the middle of main street, everything yeah. becomes um, general again. And then where is nuance and opposing positions and difference and what is unique. Right. Um, mm. And so it's just an interesting thing, you know, and I think yeah. that that juxt- I'm just thinking about this live right now that juxtaposed with an industry that notoriously prints money on novelty, right? Like fitness makes mm-hmm. money by rolling out dumb shit that doesn't work because it's new. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, oh, it's F45. Mm-hmm. It was 45 minutes this whole time. My God. <laughs> it's like, that shit doesn't work. Right. So let's come up with a new thing. And then it's the other thing or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it actually might have a funny outcome. What if what if AI just tells us all the best thing, the boring ass truth? Yeah, you're supposed to just <laughs> squat heavy as fuck once a week. <laughs> Do some for the rest of your life <laughs> and like that's it i'm sorry and you're like okay again uh you know hey siri seriously though what's the answer it's like we're not gonna like the answer <laughs> it's kind of self prunes yeah. the whole okay. industry yeah. all right i need to hire a coach now for me to tolerate the unfortunate truth that training is not that fucking hard and i have to work hard <laughs> Exactly. Oh man, that's funny. That would be a that would be a hilarious outcome for all this is that yeah. it actually ultimately works in our favor yeah. unintentionally. Elon, put it back, put it away. It's staying out the spot. Exactly. The uh that actually kind of leads in because I want to stick with um some actual training conversation for a little bit here because uh one of the things that that you guys do that I can't even remember how long ago it was when I was. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, 
You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Man, I want to say maybe six or seven-ish years ago when I had come across you guys for the first time. I don't even remember how. Maybe it was that very first Shrugged episode that you did or something like that. Mm -hmm. Somewhere around there. Um, And that was really like my first first intro into the concept of using like strongman movements as GPP. Yeah. Rather than like viewing this as a sport that... required like me to learn these skills to compete in them but like no you can just like pick up a heavy huge sandbag and squat with it and that can be part of the training but the concept of gpp is something that i think crossfit did does very well but you guys put a really high emphasis on that because that is really like the base of everything right so when you guys are looking at this as a as a system where how do you how do you create the system around something that is so basic as GPP, but make it to where people are like, where we're having this conversation where it, yeah, it's the boring stuff, but we can see the carryover. We can see how this translates and make it worth it by using things like strongman implements and all yeah. these other things. Like, I don't know if that's super coherent question, but no, really correct, yeah. the, yeah, the GPP thing, I'm, I'm really curious in your approach to it so there's a lot there i want to i want to speak to to a lot of different things so i'll try to not forget as i go but um yeah first and foremost how is it that we arrived with this worldview that strongman movements and implements could and should i'll I'll even use the should word be Mm -hmm. utilized inside of the context of gpp training Mm -hmm. for general population um frankly i took Rob Orlando's course, um, I took it thinking that it would just be fun and mm-hmm. it would be the best parts of CrossFit that I liked because I was a former baseball player. That's a sport that happens zero to four seconds at a time and 20 minute AMRAPs are just brutal. So, oh, there's a thing where everything's heavy and the longest workouts are 75 seconds long, like I'm in, you know? And so I just thought it was going to be a fun weekend. And then what happened was I saw and learned things that I couldn't unknow, uh, Mm. which is that not on purpose, we'll have to get into the sport of strongman to unpack what I'm saying here, but not on purpose, but because of what it is, what the movements and tasks 
and implements are in strongman, um, there is often a more direct line to intensity. Mm. Okay. okay. So yeah. um, I can teach a room full of people that don't speak English the tire flip in, I don't know, uh, four minutes might be fast, but I could probably do it maybe 10 minutes for sure. Okay. Yeah. And if I could get someone that speaks French and not English, the tire flip in 10 minutes of any fitness level, um, let's say a light tire is like three to 400 pounds, you know, a manageable tire for most people that can do something in the gym. Um, I don't, I know it's not one to one, but there's a lot of people at the gym that I will never coach to a three or 400 pound deadlift ever. Yeah. And so just when point. you look at like mm -hmm. the expression of power and the work being done, and I'm not to demean strongman when I say this, um, without the restrictions of skill, right? To snatch 200 yeah. pounds requires a certain body of work that for most people is not happening today. It's not happening next week. For most people, it's never happening, yeah. right? But um, you can push, pull, drag, flip, load, implements um, in skills that you can acquire quite quickly that provide this like really direct path to intensity. So if I'm going home at night saying my job is to develop general physical preparedness and drive adaptation and achieve a stimulus and I keep strongman in the corner, put baby in the corner, mm -hmm. then I'm literally in, in many cases saying no to the lowest hanging fruit of adaptation. Mm. You see what I mean? I do. But, okay, so said differently for a more specific example. I say this joke sometimes that uh, at the University of San Diego, the first time I tried, I learned and attempted a, a power clean, hang power clean, any variation was, let's say, the fall of 2004. And I can mm -hmm. say unequivocally that I opened my hips on a power clean to full extension in the spring of 2010. Okay, like it's just <laughs> yeah. a, a certain nuanced skill thing that takes time to acquire. Now, I'm mm -hmm. embellishing, I'm making a point or whatever. But anybody who's coached a room full of general population people know what I'm talking about. Yep. If tomorrow you were going to coach a room full of people in the hang power clean, you could go to bed tonight and bet every dollar you have that a fault, one of many, that you'll see tomorrow is this lack of hip extension. Yep. When I teach... Um, I taught for many years the the strongman course uh, for CrossFit for CrossFit the CrossFit mm -hmm. strongman course, and I would whatever country I was in, I, sometimes to ram this home, I would pull someone aside and I would whisper in their ear and I would say, "Hey, I bet you two hundred euros um, that you can't find someone not opening their hips on like a log clean and press or something like that." Mm -hmm. And they would just look at me like all wide at like, you serious, you know, and I would just say, find one and I'll, this is yours, you know, and, I, and I'm being silly because I know that yeah. because of the mechanics of the movement, that's not possible. But that means something, right? Yeah. If it's now this fault, this, this, this thing that is like the holy grail of dynamic, like force production, hip extension is the point then here's a thing where it's impossible not to. That's option one. Option yep. two is in 10 years, you might. You see what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And from that yeah, perspective, totally. I'm talking separate of sport and dogma and all that bullshit, right? And I think it takes taking a step back 
You know, I think you can tell someone is early in their coaching career when you ask a question like, why do we clean? Why do we snatch? And I think when you're too close to the action, you think it's to get the bar from the ground to your shoulder. I'm like, mm-hmm. hold on. Like no one, no one here, if you're not competing in weightlifting, no one here is having this problem in their life where it's just like they keep, they're walking around town and they keep running into these barbells that they can't put on their shoulder. <laughs> That's not, that never fucking shows up. So this is an excuse. You write it in the month of programming to develop force production and express power, right? And maybe build mm-hmm. some skills that are transferable to other lifts. But like, if you don't see that that's the point, then you might think that strongman is just for like people with pot bellies that deadlift 800 pounds. It's, you know what I mean? It's just a tool Mm -hmm. to get the thing. And in that regard too, you mentioned it being so easy to take it any, to, to anybody regardless of their previous skill level or experience. Uh, like one of the things that I've always loved about it is, you know, we could take a, a 50 or, you know, just for the sake of the example, like a 50 or 60 pound sandbag, like not a heavy one by any means, but take like some lady, you know, in her fifties coming off the street, who's never worked out a day in her life and have her hold that and tell her to sit in a squat and she squats probably perfectly, Yeah, you know, totally. just because of what that does for mechanics and position, having the weight there. And if we take her in and try to tell her to just do a body weight squat, like or, she doesn't have squat, range. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or any other movement really like you're never, we're not gonna put a barbell on her back hopefully at that point. But like even just a regular air squat with no weight, she's going to, she's going to see all of these areas that she's feels like she can't do these things. Yeah. It's, and it's probably, issue. but yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so like put a, put a, have her zercher hold a, or, you know, bear hug, hold a sandbag and she'll sit ass to grass in a squat, like almost perfectly without even really coaching it. Totally. And, that opens up so many doors for people from an accessibility standpoint. And when you brought up like hip extension, obviously being this thing that we can develop, that is really this, this thing that influences so much else of our movement. But I'm wondering too, like, do you see from the strongman movements in particular things that that makes up for in general population that people who just train without them lack? Like, you, you know, if you're just taking the normal, like CrossFit person, where are they lacking that strongman movements and exercises can actually fill in some of those gaps? Totally. I think that um, the lowest hanging fruit is the demand for the entire rear chain to accomplish mm. these tasks. So most people are upper back weak because yeah. if you let's just talk about uh, CrossFit for a, a minute. Um, it is very out of fashion to embrace horizontal pulling. People who do inverted rows, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, but people who yep. see inverted rows feel like they're in kindergarten. Meanwhile, their favorite football team's doing this, this stuff. Uh, the yep. bent row feels like uh, a thing that you can't post on Instagram. Um, and so it's pull up and people are weak. So those pull ups are usually highly assisted or whatever. So it's death by vertical pulling. People are mm-hmm. upper back weak. Uh, and then the hamstring, you know, I, 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 I make a bad joke again, all my jokes are bad, but, um, 
you know, I tell people that's amazing how strong they are and just imagine uh, if they had hamstrings, like at all, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and I've never met someone who was too strong in that rear chain. And so if you look at all of the movements because of the object, I think it's helpful to take a step back. Because of the object, the, the mover is having to solve for the problem of the implement. So the right. reason why you get all this beautiful, crazy hip extension is because the object, you have to overcome the distance that the object is, in most cases, in front mm -hmm. of the base of support, right? So you have to find yeah. extension to keep the load back. You have to move violently or you're not going to make this shift to, um, let's say, in a um, keg clean and press is a great example yeah. of... If you never get to a vertical forearm position, you will never be able to finish the press, which seems obvious for what we're talking right. about. But it 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 begs the question, well, how are you going to get there? And it's <laughs> the most violent, aggressive. I mean, failure will teach you how truth about getting hip extension to complete that keg mm. clean press, for example. Uh, strongman uh, has found a way to embrace the carry. The front-loaded carry is the lowest hanging fruit on getting strong in your backside, right? Yep. I mean, if you think about if if I made some sort of game where uh, for the next year of your life, your goal is to get as strong as possible in the rear chain, uh, but you could not do any carries it's going to be tough because you're going to have to like hinge yourself to death. And for a lot yeah. of people who don't brace well or have back issues, it's not one-to-one -one, like you're going to get hurt. I'm not trying to create that worldview. But what I'm saying is if I let you all of a sudden uh, drag sleds, do all variations of carries, especially front-loaded carries, you're, you can develop the hamstring and the glutes with zero and I am nervous to say zero, but I'll say it again, zero chance for like catastrophic injury. If you can walk, yeah, yeah, you can get strong. That seems so useful. Like that seems yes. something like, that seems like something you cannot ignore, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that, that's the longest way, way around of saying that is what struck me at this seminar. And I felt like, if we can uh, communicate this away from the stereotype, and that's something that Rob did really well, was he has this whole section, and I stole it from him uh, in teaching his seminar, was uh, he did this whole spiel, even about the name. He's like, who's the marketing person that named this thing? Like, you got half the population gender-wise, and then you got 1% of the population strength-wise in strongman. Like, great start, <laughs> right. right? Okay, so the perception is do Icelandic dudes pulling airplanes. All right, so fuck. That's the mm -hmm. most unrelatable thing of all time. Yep. However, look at all this beautiful stuff that's inside of here. And so, you know, I only ended up competing in strongman because, you know, I felt like I would have been a poser if I didn't go down that rabbit hole. But zero of my interest is in that. My interest is in, oh, how is this useful for um, the general population, you know? Yeah. And to the point of, of the carries, it probably wasn't, it was probably right around the same time that I had, that I had caught on to you guys was when I discovered Julian for the first time. 
And hearing him talk about, I, th- I think he said, if you carried, you know, it was like maybe 40% of your body weight in a, in a bear hug carry and you, and you did a 400 meter every single day, he's like in a month, you'd have like an iron back and like, not even just back, but everything yeah, in the, cool. in the posterior chain for exactly what you're saying. And I didn't really understand that. Like most things, like, like most things in training, like you don't really understand it until you do it. And I remember that first time I took, I, I was, I took an 80 pound bag and just did the bear hook here and took it out to the track that very first day. And I made it 120 yards Dude. before I'm like, what is going on? And like my back was just on fire and I picked it up and it probably took me 30 minutes to, to get that thing around after making 120 yards before dropping it. I bet I dropped it 40 more times to finish Holy that 400. Jesus, but then like a week later, it was 500 times easier already like in that amount of time and the the capacity that you build in that it like it's one of those things that's a staple pretty much in any training program now is like we're just gonna carry a ton like if it's conditioning based if it's strength based we'll up weight you know like whatever it is there's so many different variables to it that we can't not be doing it anymore totally. there's so there's so many elements of this too like um i'm just sort of rem- reminded by the course it also fits i mean if you want to talk about the we don't have to talk just about the crossfit population but let's just talk about the yeah. general strength and conditioning population even i mean yeah. especially in crossfit but but as you know as you expand out to the general population i find that the glycolytic system that mid-range anaerobic system is the hardest one to program for takes Mm. a lot of courage to write those sessions okay we all know that we gotta go for our one rms and even a lot of people are doing plyos just um, because it maybe is more common knowledge Um, conditioning it's really easy to write you know here's 12 minutes go fuck yourself kind of thing with three (laughs) movements you know um, but not so coincidentally, the, the entire sport of strongman is this like freight train down the middle of that glycolytic system, you know, like big mm-hmm. recovery periods hitting, you know, these gnarly anaerobic efforts for 30 to 75 seconds. And that was a gaping hole in the programming scene. So I felt that it also fit nicely in a, in a stimulus context, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. And and we would see, I, I have an interesting position on a lot of this fitness stuff and it's not, um, it's not the best, but it, it sometimes is helpful. Like, I just don't like it that much. If I'm being honest with you, I don't love the feeling of working out. It's fucking hard. I'll, I'm going to do it and I'm committed to being physically capable Um, but it's not a pastime for me. And I think that, that it's fine if that is a pastime for you. You know, I tell people go put the headphones in and run if you like it, you know, train a bunch if you like it. And if we're really talking about getting different, like change, like adaptation, then the stimulus needs to be demanding change. And we see crazy stuff. Uh, the Strongman 101 course, which has been, it started before even the GPP course at, at Deuce. It's the thing we've been doing the longest. Hundreds of people have graduated this course, more women than men, et cetera. And it's only twice a week for eight weeks. 
and we mm-hmm. walk you through all the implements and you learn strongman. It's, re- it's a really cool course. Um, but we see a, a common thing that even people who are training quite a lot. So for us, like four and five times a week is a lot. Um, yeah. They, for eight weeks, train only twice a week. Okay. And then on the back end of that, they're seeing PRs in things that are seemingly unrelated. Yeah. Right? 500 meter row PR, you know, power clean PR, all these things that they haven't been doing. And I think that speaks to the the intensity, the potent nature of the, the strongman stimulus, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's one of those, it, the best way to put it is it's one of those things like once I started it, I'm like, there's no way I can't, imp- like <laughs> pun intended, implement s- some portion of this Yeah. A- across essentially, across essentially any phase. So, um, kind of kind of start to to wrap some of this up but i wanted to to kind of circle back a little bit we talked about some consistency and some discipline stuff at the beginning and i'm i'm going to ask this as you know a, a personal thing for you do you have any what you would consider daily habits or you know one or two things that are priorities even for you in your day that are kind of like i need to make sure i do these every day if i'm going to be you know, as effective as I can be or whatever, whether that's physical in nature, whether it's work related, whatever it is, what is kind of, do you have a handful yeah. of things or do you? Yeah. Um, I think I'm running 400 or so days in a row of meditation. I think that's something that is helpful for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of this is personality driven. Okay. So yeah. it's less like biohacky optimization right. stuff. I feel as though I can accomplish anything, capital A, anything, if I have time and space alone. And that's just my Mm. personality. And so for a while there, I got really revved in a world where I was basically the world's biggest introvert, living the life of the world's biggest extrovert. And it's just really taxing. And I'm just not good at anything when I'm doing that. Um, and so all of my routines are around defending some time in in that. Now, as I say that I'm still a C minus at doing this (laughs) coming from like a solid F. Um, but, uh, generally, um, waking up much earlier than I technically need to is, is key to me functioning at a high level. So I get up at whatever Mm -hmm. it is, four 30 or so four 40 and, um, I don't have to be anywhere generally until six thirty or seven. Um, and so there's a time where I meditate, read, write, and then basically do administrative type things alone. And in mm. a quiet headspace, uh, I'm just a different person. When you, cause I was actually going to be the part two of that question is when you mentioned having it be alone time, if that was alone time for the sake of recharge and relaxation, or if it was like, I need to be alone to be productive and get this stuff done right now. Cause that's kind of two ends of the, of the coin. Totally. I think that uh, a therapist or anybody with like two eyes would say that I should spend time alone and recharge and like do fun things or whatever. I'm not <laughs> yeah. quite there yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I have this thing where Tuesday is my day off allegedly so I try to defend that <laughs> in terms of appointments. But what happens yeah. usually on a Tuesday is I'll go somewhere that's not 
work or my house and I will work all day long and it feels so good like crush all of the stuff and it's supposed to be a day off and surely I do I also do day off oriented things sometimes but um it feels like paradise to have space Mm. to get after it um and so I guess we all have different versions of what gets you going but I'm a workaholic so and then the the kind of other tangential question of that is if you're a if you're a book guy do you have anything that you're reading and uh enjoying lately or have read recently that sticks out damn um i always hate this question right now i'm finishing <laughs> a book called uh sherman it's uh on general sherman he's about to uh hmm. take home the take home the title on the civil war um it's been a <laughs> tough read because it was written so long ago frankly but um yeah that's been good. I just read uh, The Cafe to Nowhere. That's a little baby book that kind of reminds you to, it's like a baby version of going right, you know, like. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, um, finding your purpose. Uh, I just read a book. I shouldn't even mention it. You shouldn't read it. Uh, <laughs> I slogged through a book that I shouldn't have finished that was semi interesting. These two Soviet uh, humorists in like the 30s. Uh, flew to New York and they did a road trip across the country to try to observe mm. like what is America and it's you know translated from from Russian and um, anyway that, that's these are the last few <laughs> things that I've read. Um, I was all over the place with those. Oh yeah, I did. I, I read usually three <laughs> books at a time and they usually are very off the wall. Um, yeah, I love it. If if you want a real recommendation, I haven't started it yet, but I'm excited to start it. I've worked with a speechwriter and someone who helps like mm. narration um and storytelling and yeah. um she recommended a book called stories that stick mm. so i'm about to crack that but uh all signs point to that being incredible awesome yeah cool man well thanks for making time again today logan i appreciate catching up with you man yeah good to chat time flew um it did. Why don't you give, uh, you know, especially with the, with the nonprofit and stuff, like give me, give me some links that we can give to everybody and I'll make sure they're in the notes as well. So people can Definitely. follow along and help Definitely. out. Yeah. Deucecommunity.org is the uh, nonprofit and there's ways to the best thing ever. If people are considering is a, a small reoccurring donation, that's better than even yeah. like giving a bunch of money once. Um, and uh yeah you can get a lot of info there about what's happening um i just i'm tomorrow i'm gonna announce the summit in-person summit is gonna be back live for the first time ever on the east coast so that's gonna be in brooklyn on september 23rd and 24th so if anybody's curious about some continuing ed and changing your mind about uh, how you work with people and what you're building. Um, that'll be a great conversation regardless of what industry you're in. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, thanks for making the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Yeah.